This is 680-CJOB. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to today's show. We're going to jump right in, and we're going to start our conversation with Constance Menzies, who is the owner of Chocolatier Constance Pop, located at 180 Provence, and she's going to talk about the fresh premium artisan chocolates, pastries, and fresh treats that they've been making since 2007. So let's okay. start from the beginning. Okay, so how does one go from, you're a natural resource, in natural resource management, right? I so, was. So how, how do you go from that to chocolate? Well, it sounds like it would be very complicated, um, transition, but to me it was a very natural extension of of just loving the environment, loving and appreciating where food comes from and making very good food at home and and having uh, a creative bent, which you tend to have when you're working. Um, I, think, I think every element of any job has a certain level of creativity to it. And, and I think with uh, the background that I, I came from, I really appreciated where food came from. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole community of people who, who almost celebrate uh, how they make food and where food comes from. And so taking it to another level, I, I was already interested with making uh, very good sauces at home, Sabian sauce and Bernays sauce. And then, and then also just, just uh, when you're making sauces, they're almost like a little mini version of a, a ganache. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't loving the chocolate that I could get locally. And so I wanted I wanted something that was fresh and local and interesting. And so I started making my own at home and founding that I, I had a knack for it and I wanted to learn and do more. Mm-hmm. And so one thing led to another and uh, I discovered there's a really great school in all of Canada. I, I still think the very best school in all of Canada. But once I, I decided that I wanted to do that, I, I decided that I think that there's a really strong niche in Winnipeg mm-hmm. for artisan uh, whole foods, uh, uh, very, very fresh chocolate. And so within a very short time span, I decided, okay, it's time to have a chocolate shop. My chocolate shop. <laughs> My chocolate shop. <laughs> okay. So, so, so how does one become a chocolatier? Like obviously you did a lot of research on it. You said that you went to Montreal too. I did. Right. I did go to Montreal. And at the time there were a couple of schools and a couple of good instructors all across Canada. But I felt uh, in my research at the time that Montreal really lent itself to uh, the whole whole cycle of everything you need to know about being a chocolatier or or indulging in the world of chocolate. And and once I discovered that, I, I discovered... Chocolate is, uh, Montreal is the epicenter for the chocolate industry. And there they have places that make molds just for chocolate, not for anything else. There they have uh, companies in existence to make equipment. And then they have the schools and they have a chocolate manufacturing plant, uh, Cackleberry. And then, of course, they have incredible world-class instruction. Uh, Very many, very, very skilled, high-caliber instructors from all over the world, mostly from Europe. And they also have uh, a very strong chocolate climate, lots of chocolate shops, lots of people who the atmosphere of chocolate is very strong in Montreal. So mm-hmm. I knew that I would learn all the different aspects of chocolate uh, and including running uh, a business, making and selling chocolate. So so when I, every time I would go to Montreal, I would, I would really make the most of it by visiting factories, visiting chocolate shops, going to the school and going to all the places that, that make and sell the packaging and the molds and so on. So, so other people were using molds made for other products. Is that, was that was that the norm? And in Montreal, they had molds and stuff and equipment that were basically specifically made to Only make chocolate for chocolate. Correct. Yeah. And so, uh, when you meet the people who make these things, you can learn a lot mm-hmm. about the process as well. So, so then I can understand what 
what I need to avoid or what I need to, to take. And, and the school really helped too because mm. I really mimicked the kinds of equipment that they had and the kinds of recipes and the techniques that they had. And, and I would take that further. Where did you get this? How do you know this? And I would go to <laughs> those places. Tons of questions. Well, and just really recognizing my lack of knowledge and, and, uh, and optimizing my enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. I knew that I was keen. And, 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 and also the Mon- Montrealers were very gracious in sharing their knowledge with me. And, and, and I, I really benefited from that each and every time that I went there. Let's talk about you coming back to Winnipeg. So obviously, mm-hmm. your shop wasn't the first step. Were you making products out of your home? Were you selling to other other uh, businesses? Like, how did it start? Uh, well, to begin with, I I uh, made it made it home and shared at work. Yep. And great climate, great reception, family, friends had had uh, dinner parties. People came over, and I would. I would just get a little bit uh, overzealous yeah. <laughs> about the chocolate I was making. Yeah. And, like it started to become only about the chocolate. <laughs> but people were pretty like, honest with their I opinions, made. right? Yes, they were. And everyone, my boss, my former boss, people were saying, "You, you need to do this for real." So then I knew at the time when I looked, I, I didn't think that you could make things at home and sell them. And it turned out that you could if it was for mar- farmers markets. Like there was kind of certain scenarios when you can do certain things at the time. Right. But uh, anyway, I readily uh, rented kitchen space at the food studio mm-hmm. and and I sold my chocolate at a wonderful little cafe, a stylish cafe in Riding Mountain National Park. It doesn't exist anymore. But that was a really good uh, ex- uh, experience for me to, to give me a sense of, of transportation, shelf life, mm-hmm. um, quantity, just shipping, like just all the different things that I needed to deal with, with, with having chocolate and then getting the chocolate in there. Like, okay, you can sell your chocolate here, but you have to put it over there. Oh, but I want it over here. I want everyone to see it. So already, (laughs) even in this little shop that you had to deal with the same things that I'm dealing with now at a a slightly larger scale. So it it was a really good experience to do that. And then, then I found a space that I could rent. I knew that I needed my own kitchen. Mm -hmm. I needed um, an area to sell the chocolate. And of course, I need an area f- to bring the chocolate in and to store the chocolate. So, so I found a space that was close to where I lived, and uh, that was that was handy. It was it was good, and that's where I had my start. We'll continue our conversation with Constance from Chocolatier Constance Pop right after the break. We're back talking with Constance Menzies from Chocolatier Constance Pop on One Eighty Provence about uh, talking about craft chocolate. Okay, so when you moved the store there, did you feel like you were? starting over since it was an expansion of the first one. You were moving stores and now you're almost reopening like you did the first time, but Uh, probably with with a lot more knowledge. I did feel like it was our true start. I felt like St. James was our practice run. Mm -hmm. And I felt like once we got to St. Boniface, also there's a stronger customer base for us there. And and I found it the... That this this the expectations were higher, and I really love that it 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 it, it compelled me to to go further, mm-hmm. and and I and I like that. I like that that the people around us. If if I'm only driving it, that's 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 only one part of the pie, mm-hmm. the piece of the whole story. And if there are if there's a very receptive audience, you just you want to do more for them. And for example, if the World Trade Center was entertaining delegates from Belgium, France. Uh, Switzerland, they would come to us and have them make chocolate. And I felt, okay, we need to show them that 
in in so many different ways, the prairies in Winnipeg can step up, and and I wanted to sh- to be able to show them that we could do that with chocolate, mm-hmm. and and we see that all around us now in Winnipeg. Like there's just so many world class things to be very quite proud of. For sure, you know, and we have world leaders coming through here, mm-hmm. visiting the Canadian Museum for Human Rights, and so on. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes the protocol officers with the province or the city draw upon us to make to make lovely things and and I feel I take I take that extremely um seriously. I think I feel a very strong sense of responsibility to to be able to showcase what one aspect of what Winnipeg can do really really well. Yeah, I agree I agree with you 100%. Since I started doing this, I've met a lot of local people that are doing that are regular people like you and me doing big things that you mm-hmm. really wouldn't know that they do or expect from them, but they're doing a lot of good things and, uh, and are connecting with a lot of people that are actually raising the level of, uh, of expectation from the city. Right? We, we can, and we're circulating. I mean, Cameron, Cameron Hooley, a really wonderful chef here in Winnipeg, mm-hmm. is on his way to Olympic gold medals. Like, we're circulating. When, when, we, when we train in our shop, we are going to Chicago, we are going to Montreal, we're going to the French Pastry School, and we are learning from people like Jean-Pierre Wabeau, Christophe Morel, Norman Love from the U.S. And these people are at the top of their of their their industry. Mm-hmm. In their little, like, I mean, chocolate is can be divided up into so many different areas, mm-hmm. and uh, we seek them out, and we we uh, hope that we can get a, a place in their in their course for that uh, for those four days, six days, two days, whatever it may be. And you learn a lot, and you're around other chocolatiers who who are very keen, and 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 their expectations are really high as well. Mm-hmm. So you come back with that. We're a bit of a renegade here in Winnipeg, but you know we're trying to retool, trying to refine what we're making, and then we also try to make things that are that are unique and that are Winnipeg. What is Winnipeg like? Winnipeg is such a diverse thing, mm-hmm. but uh, some things that we make are kind of obvious. Like we were super proud to make the chocolate golden boy, yeah, and that That's is pretty cool. Very, I really like that. Yeah, it's neat. Very Manitoba, yeah. very Winnipeg, and the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. It was really wonderful to mold that piece, and the Manitoba bar. So we we are making uh, local things that are quite iconic yep. and and then and then just sort of more subtle things that we're making that are very pretty or very you know not so obvious that are definitely very Winnipeg or very very Manitoba or very prairie but yet can compete in an international or or even an, you know, a national level like mm-hmm. is there something that's local about it but then there's something that's very very um contemporary and and very and, and very universal about what we're making. Mm-hmm. So I think that's interesting. Uh, let's talk about some of the products you make. Like what is sure. the most popular products that you sell out of your shop? Oh, we're talking about that. Yeah. Well, you know, if I tell when people come in and they say what sells the most and then we tell them and then they buy that. Mm. So now, now we're trying to shift everything around and say it's all good. <laughs> so everyone can evenly buy everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, what, what, think, what was the stuff that I tried? Well, you um, the stuff that I just stuffed in my mouth and didn't, you know. I think one of like one of the things you tried that I know that you liked mm-hmm. was our Birch Bark Bar. Yes, and that's very interesting. I really like to tell people about the Birch Bark Bar because mm-hmm. it has one ingredient in there that I think is so very interesting, and it's it's not even anything that's manufactured. It's not anything that's new. It's just it's so very traditional. Like it's just been around for hundreds upon hundreds of years, and that's mm-hmm. the birch syrup, mm-hmm. and it is tapped from our birch trees, and it takes so much syrup to make 
to, so much sap to make syrup. Mm-hmm. So we all know that it takes 40 liters of, of maple syrup to make one liter of sap. Which is crazy. Which is a lot when you can line up 40 single liters of milk in front of you. You can you can just imagine, like that is a lot. Birch syrup is 120 liters of sap to make one liter of syrup. Wow. That is, to me, is beyond phenomenal. So because of that, we had a mold made out of a piece of birch bark. So yep. the texture of the bar is is a birch bark. And we we do a treatment to the inside of the mold with a bit of milk chocolate and white chocolate to give it the striations that you see on a birch tree. Mm-hmm. And then we put a little sheen on it with some luster dust to give it. Even though birch, birch is kind of matte, like the the, the 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 texture of it and the color of it's kind of matte. Yep. There still is a very slight little sheen to the to the outer surface of of, uh, of that bark. So very cool. And then we because the birch syrup is so um, rich and heavy and earthy, it's very um, uh, it it's just it's just a very it's a, it's not like maple syrup at all. So it, it's really nice with the milk chocolate. The milk chocolate softens it. So it's a delicious bar, and and I love. I love uh, telling people about this bar. And it's another way we celebrate something that's local. But yet there's something very, very modern and very contemporary about our Birch Bark Bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super good. What is bean to bar chocolate? What does that mean? Bean to bar, what does that term the mean? The cocoa bean yeah. is made into a chocolate bar. And so it just sounds nice, bean to bar. And so what we do is we bring in cocoa beans. We have a distributor who brings it in for us. The bar that, the beans that we have now are from uh, Venezuela. And we have been able to only get uh, Crayola beans, which is the, the best kind of bean that you can get. And if you look at them, and we, we display these beans, we want people to see what they look like. Mm-hmm. They are whole. They are, they're blemish-free. They are wonderful, beautiful color. Like they're just, they're just really, they've been, they've been um, sifted out. Like they've been selected, uh, these beans. So what the poor quality beans are, are, are definitely eliminated. So they're very beautiful quality bean. And then we, we roast them. And after we roast them, we, we take the little very thin layer of skin off of them. Uh, we roast them very gently. By the way, this this part is I you know I just brush over it, but this is a very gentle process to roast the beans. You don't want to over roast the beans. Mm-hmm. That will very much make your 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 dark chocolate quite bitter and tart, and we don't want that. So you have to be very gentle and patient with roasting. So once you do that and you take the skins off the beans, you need to crush them into nibs and then make a nice paste out of them. And once they're made into a paste, they can they then need to be further further ground and they go into a melange. A very in our case is a very small machine mm-hmm. with two big stones in it that crush the 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 paste into a fine syrup. And uh, we do this a couple of times. We let it breathe in between each stage after we we uh, we map out the chocolate. Uh, we let it oxidize. We let we, we let it breathe a little bit, and then we break up the chocolate, melt it down, put it back into the melange, and we'll do this uh, a few more times. And uh, and then from there, we we make different flavors. So we'll have a plain bar that is the chocolate. Then become you'll have to temper the chocolate as you would with with uh, uh, any other coverture chocolate. And once we temper the chocolate, we'll we'll then mix it with salt. We'll mix it with uh, freeze dried raspberries. We'll put some wonderful uh, mint. Uh, we'll make some nice almond and uh, and and with uh, pure orange oil into this. So we have different flavors that we make with our bean to bar, 
And each one of them are perfectly delicious to me. I one that we make that is very interesting is we take uh, locally roasted uh, coffee beans mm-hmm. and we mix them with the cocoa beans. And uh, we do the exact same process. And the, the beans just follow along with the, the cocoa bean right yeah. to the very end. Yeah. And we temper we temper the, co- the, the coffee bean along with the cocoa bean. And uh, we have to add more cocoa butter at this point. Uh, when we're working with the cocoa bean, because uh, it's the, the the coffee bean has so little, like it has almost zero fat in it, so it becomes really heavy and and very very um, pasty. So oh, okay. we have to yeah. put more co- cocoa butter in it to thin it out a little bit, mm-hmm. and we have to put a little bit more lecithin in it so that the the two beans um, bind fairly well. So uh, once we can kind of play around with that a little bit, we make this really cool bar. It's a very interesting taste. You're not sure if you're eating consuming coffee or chocolate and and then them together they're yep. a really nice compliment and it's not like having you know a mochaccino or something where it's like we know that's a very familiar flavor to us mm-hmm. to have coffee and and chocolate together but when you have something that's so raw like that and so craft it's it's a whole other coffee chocolate consuming experience We'll be back with more Constance Pop after the news weather and sports this is Kevin Bergen on the main ingredient and this is 680 CJOB Hi, this is Kevin Bergen from The Main Ingredient. And after the news, weather, and sports, at the bottom of the hour, we are going to continue our conversation with Constance Menzies, who is the owner of Chocolatier Constance Pop at 180 Provence, and we're going to talk about some of the notable people she has made her chocolates for. This is 680 CJOB. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Main Ingredient. If you missed the first half an hour, we are talking to Constance Menzies, who is the owner of Chocolatier Constance Pop on Provence. And now we are going to get into some of the more notable people and notable events that she has made her chocolates for. Okay, we're going to talk about some of your accolades. And you've been, on, you've been doing a lot of stuff. And the stuff I liked was um, you created a box of chocolate that, that uh, was celebrating 12 notable Manitobans for uh, Manitoba Day this year. We did, yeah. It, good grief. It took me forever. Like I've been, <laughs> This was on the list in day, since day one. Like yeah. we have a, like when I first started, you know, I had all these, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. So this took seven years to make. And then in that time, the good thing about it taking so long that I kept revising the top 12 people, oh, really? and, which was really hard to do. What do you like, mean it took seven years? What, what, what took seven years? I don't get it. Because there was so many other things that we had, like all those different things that you saw in our shop on your visit. Lots. It took a lot of time to develop all those things. Yeah. So poor Manitoba, like Golden Boy took eight months, <laughs> like good grief. Like he's so demanding. He's a very high maintenance yeah. person or object or creature, whatever you want to call him. So that's why, like yeah. all the other things took a lot of time. So the 12 Manitobans, um, I kept revising that list. And then, uh, and then I just thought, okay, Manitoba, every Manitoba day would be coming and approaching. And then as soon as I passed it, I would let it go. Oh, okay. I get it. Right. So, so it kept getting bumped down the list. You had yeah. other priorities. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. Understand. So this year, forget it. Yeah. No, we're doing it. So then, uh, came up with our 12 and, uh, and it, and it became, this time it became, it became, this is it. This is the 12. Yeah. This is the group of 12. This is it. Did you change the group of 12? Did you change them? Like, was it always that 12? Or was well, it, like, oh, you know, I, I want this person in here instead. Flinitarity, Flin, Flin Flon, the dude. Yep. Like, the, I don't know how to say that name. So he got eliminated because I could never say his name. <laughs> and I'm like, Sorry, he's pal. not real anyway. So <laughs> off you go. Out you go, yeah. dude. I can't. Can you say it? No. Flinitarity, I'm not even Flin- gonna, I, can, I, I don't even say French <laughs> things. I'm not going to say that in English word. I can't. I can't pronounce it. You crazy? <laughs> I can't say it. So off he went. So anyway. 
So right. we came up with one, 12 wonderful ones. We worked with a super cool, incredible art, a local artist, Charlie Johnston, and uh, we came up with symbols. Mm-hmm. And and it was very hard. That was the hard part, was distilling these iconic people, either past uh, who've passed on or even uh, Manitobans who are still alive today, mm-hmm. and, and distill them into tiny little simple symbols. That was that was the hardest part. Yeah, no doubt. So we did. We did. We came up with, uh, like, for example, Clara Hughes has uh, a, a wheel that that's in motion. Oh. And we chose a wheel instead of a skate because the wheel has all these spokes on it. Mm-hmm. And she is, she everything that she does is in motion, like mm-hmm. her, her right to play and her Bell Canada talks. She's, she's just involved with so many different, very high profile, very uh, generous projects. And so the, the, the symbol of the, the bike tire moving was a nod, and and then that those spokes was a nod to all the different things that she's. And then we have a little booklet, so we actually describe. And she's Order of Canada, Order of Manitoba, and we we describe all those things in the little booklet that accompanies the box of chocolates. Then there's Tina Keeper, who's um, also a super wonderful and philanthropic, but she's a great actress. Mm-hmm. And she was an MP, a member of Parliament for Churchill. And so for her, we used we we, we created a star, and in the star we made the four. We we colored each each uh, spoke of the star or point of the star of uh, the uh, the four se- of the four four directional colors. Yep. And she said she's never seen that before, and we hadn't either. Like we hadn't seen a star that would have have uh, red and yellow and white and and uh, and black. Yeah, that's it. pretty so, cool. So she she liked it, and and that made me feel good that because I didn't check with anyone first. I didn't check. Oh, with, just we just made it, and then here yeah, you go, right? right. So you're getting yeah. the first reaction is when they see it, and that's what you're getting the raw well, reaction. Well, we couldn't check with Ch- Chief Pegwis. Like there was a lot of people that we couldn't check <laughs> yeah. with because they were long gone. So we're right. like, hey, dude, hope you like your <laughs> hope you like your symbol. <laughs> and his was a scroll. Like yeah. we made his into a scroll, and yeah. it was supposed to represent a treaty. Yeah, because it was. Uh, the first, if not one of the first treaties that were signed in this part of the world. That's pretty cool. Must have been a lot of research yeah. to, to decide what yeah. symbol you're going to actually make for that so person. So interesting. Right? Like, you know, we, you look into – and I, that kind of thing really interests me. Mm-hmm. So we have to do another 12 because Fred Penner didn't make it. And there's so oh, many yeah. different people that I wanted to be in this 12. Mm-hmm. So, But I would like to do um, – Manitoba mascots next time round and Manitoba landscapes. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, every year we'll come up with another series. Yeah, so be, that's, yeah, that's fun. Cool. Yeah, that is neat. See, and then this way we'll never leave anyone out. Exactly right. Because <laughs> um, eventually you'll get to them, right? <laughs> the box you made two chocolates for the Queen's visit in 2010. Yes. What were those chocolates? Uh, well, we call it the Her Majesty box. We use this really beautiful box. It was this two-tone. Actually, I was surprised that the... I, I guess you can't cheap out on that box, right? No, you can't. And I was surprised that people chose that box. Like, mm-hmm. I found it to be really modern. It was this two-tone wooden box that's lacquered. It's it was very it's very posh, and I thought that they would go for something a lot more feminine, a lot more traditional. Yeah, I, I, I was choosing, you know, showcasing. Wow, this one and this one. And oh, this they, one. they had a choice, they so did. you had more they than picked. one. And they, oh, okay, yes. I got it. Yeah, it was a bit of a process, and and then they wanted each and every chocolate to have Manitoba ingredients in it. So she she was presented this box, and then at the luncheon, if people may recall, she was only here for seven hours mm-hmm. on her latest visit, and and who knows, it may even be her last visit here, likely will be her last visit to Winnipeg. So she was in Winnipeg at the uh, government house at the provincial legislature, and they had a garden party for her there. And within the, the uh, government house is where they had her luncheon for 100 people. Mm. And and so we got to make beautiful little, uh, we made these little boxes that each person had at their setting. 
And uh, the provincial photographer took a picture and there it was Her Majesty next to the box. And the lieutenant governor at the time, which was Philip Lee, uh, insisted upon having the lieutenant governor coin on the lid of the box, which is a really beautiful coin. Mm -hmm. And then every time I would see him after that, which was at least three times, he would tell me the story that Prince Philip would keep the lid of the box in his pocket. Because always when they're gifted, they say thank you. And then they hand it off to their people. They don't keep the gifts. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes they don't even take the gifts with them. They stay here. Wow. They don't end up going. So they select which ones they take. And then there's there's a whole different hierarchy of what happens to these gifts. They may get donated. They they may get kept into a museum. Like there's different things. So he kept the lids. And I think it's because, not because of... No, he kept the whole box, but I think because he wanted the lid with the coin on it okay. is what I think. Yeah. And I think Prince, uh, Prince uh, Philip Lee was just being very uh, gracious with me. Nah, you don't know that. And I got a coin too. That was really? nice. Yeah, yeah they gave awesome. me a coin. That's pretty cool. We will return after the break and talk more about my second favorite thing, second only to beer, chocolate. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the show. It is Thanksgiving weekend, and I am talking chocolate with Constance Menzies, owner of Chocolatier Constance Pop. Okay, so this is going to air on Thanksgiving weekend. It may be a little bit late for me to bring up, but um, like I said, I brought, t- brought up to you before your, your, your turkey. Our chocolate tur- turkeys. Yes. yes. That's kind of cool. Very cool. Yes. They're made with many layers of chocolate mm-hmm. with lots of color, yeah. and you have to... They're beautiful, mm-hmm. and they are wonderful centerpieces. Yes. We add all kinds of other little chocolate things around them. They go in very big charger plates. They're quite colorful. Uh, like the iridescent color of, of bird's feathers, like a, like the colors you would see in a peacock. Right. And we use a lot of um, fall colors, like the bright oranges and the cobalt blues and things like that. So they're very stunning looking. But it's still chocolate. Yeah, that's and when I went in your shop, That's I'm like, oh, it's a shame to eat half the stuff. Eat it. It's very pretty, very beautiful, And right? you can't just bite it. You have to take a hammer and you have to crush it. <laughs> and I think this is a wonderful thing at Thanksgiving no. because everything's beautiful in the beginning and <laughs> then there's all that family tension. It's like, here, put it, put direct it to the turkey. Get a mallet <laughs> and, just, and crush and it, it. And just crush it. And then you get all these wonderful pieces. Yeah. And there's some big pieces and some little pieces and everybody gets the piece that they want. And, and also, like the dark chocolate, Chocolate turkeys are vegetarian. So, right? So not everybody wants to eat a real turkey, right. but they'll eat a chocolate turkey. Oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I got brought that for you. Okay, so you've made chocolates, like we said, you've made chocolates for very notable events and people, Golden Globes, Oscars, the Olympics. So is your motivation for making chocolate now the same as it was when you first started? For sure. Because we only have a teeny, tiny, little, tiny, teeny, tiny market that we're eking into. So I'm always thinking... Where next? Where more? Mm-hmm. How do we grow? So not only am I thinking about uh, expanding the kinds of things that we make and making more of those things, mm-hmm. I want more people to have those things. So it's a constant uh, challenge for me to to keep to to keep expanding on that. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it doesn't diminish; it grows. Like I I I want to see how far this will go. Right. And and now I'm I'm just starting. It's going to be nine years December first. Yeah, that's a, that's a good run. Ugh, and I'm just starting to feel like <laughs> we we have our legs. Yeah, you know we're gaining some real strong steam. Like we're a true business. We have um, like we're considered uh, a stable business. We have we have a lot so much to achieve. But now we have a good foundation to which I can platform. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, no good business is run by one person. So let's talk about some of the people that you have mm-hmm. working in your shop. You mm-hmm. know, they're they're very, um, mm-hmm. very skilled, very, very mm-hmm. loyal. You guys work as a great mm-hmm. team. Let's talk about mm-hmm. some of those people. 
Um, I've had some challenges with some of the people that worked in my shop. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. And there's some very um, uh, loyal and hardworking people in my shop. Uh, each and every person that works in my shop uh, at this time are all very skilled, very hardworking, and very professional. They mm-hmm. take what they do quite seriously. And this helps because I am... I, I like. I think of it as a chain. Like it can only be as strong as as all the other links around me. And right. I I say this from true experience. Like I've had, you know, the first couple of years when I was mostly working alone, I could not grow without the strength. I mean, you could have more people, but mm-hmm. if they don't have the professional acumen, the the work ethic, the team building cap- capability about them, we we can't we can't go anymore. I cannot take on any more orders. Rely upon the strong team of people to to carry forward. So. We, we have an on-site bookkeeper once a week. Uh, she's beyond fantastic. We, uh, we have very strong front-end people. Uh, Ray, who roasts our chocolate, he's, he's quite Handsome competent. Handsome Ray we're talking about. He's very, well, <laughs> super capable. Like he yep. can do so many things. And, and, uh, and then the, the, the people that we have right now, we have uh, uh, somebody who flew from Alberta to yep. come and work for us. Mm-hmm. So isn't that Interesting. Yes. Instead of people leaving Manitoba <laughs> to work in Alberta. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Red Seal Chef, she's beyond fantastic and just, just, uh, she's quiet. Uh, I wish, you know, she could be more talkative and probably I need to talk less and I can, <laughs> should be less quiet. I don't know what you're talking about. She's just, uh, just keeps to herself and she just works like crazy. And Robert, who's just like this super, uh, energetic, uh, spirited soul and he's, you know, he, he, he came to us at the, at, at the job interview and we were asking him and, you know, you, you mark, you, I give people one out of 10 mm-hmm. uh, for each of the questions. And uh, he, he, I asked him um, what his skill level was with, with, um, with sculpting. And he showed me um, something that he sculpted and then he, he, he with pictures, he mm-hmm. had pictures with him. And then he showed me the knife that he made to sculpt what he sculpted. And then I just looked at the other Hang person. On, he who was made a, the knife, right? To he, sculpt? Not, he, not like he, but he, like, he, he made. made the knife. Yeah, and then he he uh, used that knife to sculpt his his beautiful piece of of work, artwork. Wow! And then I didn't know if I should give him an eleven or a twelve. <laughs> like, like I was just. Um, I don't have numbers high enough. <laughs> you know, you're hired. I just I didn't know what to say to that. I just think this is a little over the top, don't you think? <laughs> Keener. I guess I knew you, you wanted that job, <laughs> which is awesome, right? Okay. No, that's cool, man. Yeah. So that's very excellent. The bar that you've set, like you've raised the bar pretty high. How do you, how do you meet that every day? These people, how do you, how do you meet it every day? Well, it's been hard for people to keep up. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, and I, I still think our bar is not even high enough. Like I still think, I, I, I believe strongly that we're still not there. Like I look at chocolatiers and other jurisdictions, cities, countries that are achieving incredible things. Mm-hmm. And we're only scratching the surface. Like we're really quite junior in, in our arc of our experience. <laughs> like it's still quite really quite small. So mm-hmm. once I can get everyone at the level that our chief chocolatier had and and where I want us to go, then 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 we still have... <laughs> Then we're only at mile thirteen. Like we still <laughs> you're have, never, no matter no matter where you are on that ladder, no, you're never going to be satisfied, which is a good thing because no. you'll always continue to learn and grow, right? I think so. Like I think I think I always have to feel we're behind the eighth ball. That's always. how I feel all the time. Yep. I never feel like we've arrived. I just don't. I just feel I feel that we are a stable business, mm-hmm. a business. But in terms of the artistic work and the the level of range that that we can we can accomplish and achieve, we're 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 still not there. That 
I know other people come in and say, oh, you make, you make your own macarons, you make your own gelato, you do these phenomenal showpieces, you make bean bars, bonbons, bars and barks, you make bean to bar. Like, you know, we, we do make a full range and petit gâteaux and lovely cakes and all the decorations are made on site. Everything's whole foods. It's all premium grade chocolate. Uh, we don't use fondant. We're making layers of cakes with, with dacquois and mousse and, and gels. And it's, they're very complicated, complex cakes that are quite beautiful. And I look at them and I love them. I think they're, I like where we're at now, finally, after mm-hmm. all these years. And yet I still think, wow, we still need to do this and this and this and this and more of that. And, <laughs> and, and yes, we make our spicy chocolate drink and we make a beautiful classic hot chocolate. Uh, and we actually just made our own mugs, beautiful, stylish mugs with our logo on it. And they come with, uh, they could come with, with our own candles. We just had beautiful candle, candles made by Soya Harvest. You yep. might have heard them with a beautiful little wooden wick. Yep. And uh, they, they made it in the spirit of our spicy chocolate drink, which is oh, what cool. the candle, candle is called. That's awesome. It's so lovely. Oh, I'm so excited. Like, I'm so, we, I wanted to do this a year ago, and it didn't work out. And then uh, we found so- Soya Harvest and super impressed with... Uh, with what the candle smells so warm and lovely. Like mm. I, I think it's, uh, you, you can be really off with candles. It can smell oh, yeah, sometimes, just so yeah. Yeah, it can be a bad fake thing. and yep. awful, but, uh, I love our candle. Like I want to, I want to eat our candles. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about everything in your store. Only it's too pretty and I don't want to wreck anything. No, eat it. That's why we have those expiry dates for like, Oh, we hope the chocolate breaks. So they have to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gil, I appreciate you coming in. Thank you so much for inviting me. You're, you're just a terrific, uh, champion of great food in Winnipeg. So oh, I'm well, glad to finally you. be. I'm blushing now. I, I know well, no, tell. I'm like, when is, how come I, when, when do I get to be on the show? So here we are. <laughs> and then That's I stalked great. you and emailed you a thousand times. Excellent. That's awesome. Okay, well, you're thanks. a busy person. Yeah. Okay. So while I go and get a Kleenex box to wipe the tears from my eyes from those lovely compliments, you guys can listen to a few commercials and we'll be back to wrap up the show. This is Kevin Bergen on 680 CGOB for The Main Ingredient. Hey everyone, it's Kevin Bergen from The Main Ingredient. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you to Constance Menzies for coming on the show and talking about what she does best, which is making chocolate. Everyone enjoy Thanksgiving weekend. I know I will. Don't eat too much turkey. And if you do, you'll be eating it all week, so you may want to slow down. This is The Main Ingredient on 680 CJOB. This is 680 CJOB.